Chapter Eleven of the Little Colonel at Boarding School. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Little Colonel at Boarding School by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter Eleven: A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. Every day since the first of November there had been a letter for ida in the sherman's post-office box under cover of lloyd's address lloyd had grown to dread the afternoon walks with the school for she was in a flutter of nervousness from the moment they came in sight of the post-office until the letter was safe in ida's possession there was always the fear that betty might get to the window first or that she might catch sight of the envelope addressed with many flourishes in a big bold hand or that the letter might be the only one, as it often was, and Betty might wonder why Lloyd's face should grow so red when she answered, No, nothing for us this time. It was easier to manage after the weather turned cold enough to furnish an excuse for carrying a muff, but even then she fancied that Miss Matty looked at her curiously sometimes when she thrust the daily letter hastily out of sight without a second glance she never went through the performance without wishing that it might be the last time that she should be placed in such an uncomfortable position but afterwards she always reproached herself for making such a wish it seemed a very poor friendship that could not stand a little test like that it was such a small thing to do when the happiness of her friend's whole life was at stake then she had a reward in the evenings when ida with her arms around her whispered her undying gratitude or read her extracts from the letters which gave her glimpses into a romance far more beautiful than the fortunes of daisy dale or the heiress of dorne or any of the others they had read since a sort of circulating library had started since the rainy night the shadow club read its first volume Ida had a pile of paperback books in her closet, which she pronounced fully as interesting as the one she had read aloud. So, Elsie's wooing, fair but false, and the heiress of Dorne began passing in turn from the covers of Katie's geography to Kitty's, and from Lloyd's history to Betty's and Allison's. They read at recess, they read before school, and more than once some exciting chapter proved too interesting to be laid aside in study time for the work of the hour after a few volumes of such tales betty became fired with an ambition to write one herself and soon became so absorbed in her pastime that she could think of little else eugene was the name of her hero and gladys was the maiden who combined all the beauty and virtues possible for one mundane creature to possess the whole club was consulted as to the color of her eyes and hair and many points about which the little author was undecided they came in time to regard eugene and gladys as real personages in whom they had a family interest lloyd had bits of the story read to her sometimes when they were getting ready for bed betty lost interest in everything to such an extent that she ceased to be sociable and spent most of her time alone dreaming out different scenes in the story which filled her mind to the exclusion of even her lessons one afternoon near the middle of november lloyd hurrying through the lower hall with an open letter in her hand met the president oh dr wells she exclaimed i was just going to your room here is a note mother sent you in the letter that came to-day 
she has written for some things she needs and wants betty and me to walk up to locust after school with a message to the servants about packing them if you'll excuse us from the regular promenade certainly he answered glancing over mrs sherman's gracefully written request but betty has such a bad cold continued lloyd that the matron thinks she oughtn't to go out to walk to-day and it's lonely going back home by myself when it's all shut up may i take ida shane with me instead she's never seen locust from the inside and i'd love to show it to her you know a little smile dimpling her face as she spoke i can't help being proud of the old place you have good reason said the professor smiling back at her kindly it is certainly a beautiful old homestead yes i have no objection to ida's going with you oh thank you cried lloyd she hurried up the stairs to ida's room calling excitedly as she reached the door yes he says you may go hurry and put on your things so that we can have as long time as possible up there betty had gone into the matron's room in her absence it took lloyd only a moment to slip into her hat and coat then catching up her muff and thrusting it under her arm she started back to ida's room buttoning her gloves as she went ida had taken down her hair and was deliberately rearranging it before the mirror oh what did you do that for cried lloyd half impatiently it looked all right as it was we're not going to see any one but the servants there's no use wearing your best hat she glanced at the mass of velvet and plumes lying on the bed just pin your hair up any fashion and stick on your mortarboard that'll do shut the door please said ida in a low tone i have something to tell you she bent nearer the mirror drawing the combs through the fluffy pompadour we are going to see someone this afternoon eduardo is in the valley lloyd dropped her muff at this surprising announcement but ida went on calmly i've been expecting him for several days he comes to lloydsboro sometimes to visit his cousin i've lain awake nights trying to arrange some way to see him this is a thousand times better than any way i could think of i'm the luckiest girl that ever lived to have such a friend as you to plan for me princess i don't know what you mean exclaimed lloyd i haven't planned anything no not intentionally but look how easy you have made it for me to have an interview he'll be on the watch for the seminary girls to pass by the store for i was to manage to leave a note there for him telling him where i can see him all i have to do now is to signal him to follow and we can have a good long walk at locust while you are giving the servants their orders you don't mind do you she asked as lloyd continued to stare at her without saying anything no oh no of course not answered lloyd with a confused laugh only it makes me feel so queer to think that i'm really going to see him it's just as if lord rockaby or the squire's son had stepped out of the book i feel as if i were in a book myself since you told me that this is the way it would be on the page if we could stand off and read about ourselves and violet's little friend led the way down the long avenue and there on the threshold of her home after months of cruel separation the reunited lovers kept their tryst ida laughed happily you'll have a book half written before betty is half started if you go on at that rate now tell me do i look all right 
she was settling the big picture hat in place over her soft hair as she anxiously asked the question lloyd regarded her critically tipping her head a trifle to one side as she looked put your hat a hairbreadth farther over your face she exclaimed there that's lovely oh violet the shade of velvet is so becoming you it's just the color of your eyes i never saw you look so beautiful a becoming pink flushed ida's cheeks she bent her head over the bunch of violets pinned on the lapel of her coat it's dear of you to think so she said and it's dear of you to send me these violets every week these are unusually sweet i'm so glad i have a fresh bunch for today this happy day lloyd took the keenest delight in watching the graceful girl sweep down the hall ahead of her from the plumes of the picture hat to the hem of her stylish gown she thoroughly satisfied lloyd's artistic instinct for the beautiful she gave her arm an adoring little squeeze as they passed down the stairs together out on the road she glanced up at ida again happiness had not made her radiant as it did daisy dale but there was a soft light in the violet eyes which made lloyd think of a picture she had seen of a vestal maiden on her way to guard the holy altar fires lloyd's heart began to beat faster as she realized that every step was taking them nearer to eduardo she pictured him again in her imagination as she had done so many times before she would know that pale serious face with its flashing eyes anywhere she might meet him she was sure neither of them spoke as they hurried along the path through the lower part of clovercroft and pushed open the woodland gate but as they stepped up on the platform in front of the depot lloyd said let's cross the track here and let's go on the other side of the road then we'll not have to pass the waiting rooms there's always so many people loafing around the window of the telegraph office instinctively she felt that while a little girl like herself would attract no attention ida in her long sweeping dress that she held up so gracefully and the big hat drooping over her pretty face and the stylish fur collar and the violets on her coat made a picture that any one would turn to look at twice she could not bear to think of the bold glances that might be cast after her by the loafers around the depot it seemed to her little short of sacrilege although she could not have put the feeling into words for any eyes but eduardo's to rest upon her as she went on her way to this meeting with that vestal maiden look upon her face very well assented ida you know we want to stop at the store i want to get some chocolate creams if they have any fresh ones lloyd's heart gave a frightened thump as she remembered that it was in the store that eduardo would be watching presently for the seminary girls to go by it was half an hour earlier than they usually passed but there was a possibility that he might be there in less than a minute she might be face to face with the live hero of a real romance it was with an odd feeling of mingled relief and disappointment that she glanced around the store and saw only familiar faces a young man whom she knew by sight was perched on the bookkeeper's high stool at the back of the store so absorbed in the louisville evening paper which the last mail train had brought out that he did not look up a small colored boy stood patiently by the stove waiting for his coal oil can to be filled one of the clerks was tying up a package of groceries for Fraser to carry over to Clovercroft, and the other was showing ginghams to Mrs. Walton's Barbary. "'Be with you in a moment, please,' called the first clerk as the girls entered. 
lloyd stopped in front of the showcase near the door and began idly examining the various styles of jewelry and letter paper displayed within she had almost decided to invest in a certain little enameled pin which she knew would delight mom beck and take it up to her as a surprise when barbary stepped beside her with a polite greeting and an inquiry about her grandfather's health while she was still talking with barbary ida came up flushed and excited she thrust her bag of chocolates into her muff and catching up her skirt said hurriedly come on i'm ready lloyd started at once to follow her to the door but looked back to nod assent to barbary's last remark and in turning again almost ran into the young fellow who had been reading at the bookkeeper's desk he was hurrying off after ida to open the door for her he held it aside for them both to pass through and a flush of displeasure dyed lloyd's face as she saw the admiring glance he cast boldly at ida he needn't have gone so far out of his way to have done that exclaimed lloyd as they started up the road toward locust it was the clerk's place to open the door and he nearly knocked him down trying to get there first who inquired ida innocently she was several steps in advance and could not see lloyd's face that horrid mr ned bannon i can't bear him papa jack told mother she must never invite him to the house under any circumstances because he wasn't fit for betty and me to know and she stopped abruptly for ida turned with a white pained face oh lloyd she cried how can you hurt me so don't believe any of those dreadful things you hear about him then seeing from lloyd's amazed expression that she failed to understand the situation she added in a distressed tone he is eduardo if ida had struck her on the face she could not have been more amazed she stood staring at her helplessly unable to say a word i must be dreaming all this she thought after a while i'll surely wake up and find i've had horrible nightmare but the distress in ida's voice was too real to be a dream she was biting her lips to keep back the tears after one look into lloyd's dismayed face she turned away and began moving slowly on toward locust lloyd walked beside her mechanically she could not shake off the feeling that she must be in a dream from time to time she cast a half frightened glance toward ida she felt that she had wounded her so deeply that nothing she might say could ever make amends when she saw a tear course slowly down her cheek and splash down on the bunch of flowers on her coat she clasped her arm impulsively saying oh violet dear don't cry i wouldn't have hurt you for worlds i didn't have the faintest idea that he was the one it wasn't so much what you said answered ida controlling her voice with an effort but i counted so much on your friendship for him and now to know that people have prejudiced you against him before you've had a chance to meet him and find out for yourself that they're mistaken she stopped with a sob under all his wild ways he's good and noble and true at heart and it isn't fair for everybody to condemn him for what he has done and stand in his way when he's trying so hard to do better one little hand in the muff was bare and lloyd saw the gleam of the pearl on it as ida took out her handkerchief and dabbed it hastily across her eyes it brought back all that scene in the moonlighted orchard and ida's blushing confession he says that is what my life means to him a pearl that if it wasn't for my love and prayers 
he wouldn't care what became of him or what he did do you blame me for disregarding aunt's wishes and again as on that night the little colonel's heart swelled with an indignant no again she arrayed herself beside her friend ready to do battle for her against the world if necessary wonderfully comforted by lloyd's protests of sympathy and understanding ida dried her eyes and looked back over her shoulder saying he's not in sight yet i told him not to start for fifteen minutes and then come the long way around through tanglewood so nobody would think he was following us that will give you time to show me over the house as lloyd swung open the entrance gate and started down the long avenue a queer feeling crept over her that she could not have expressed had she tried it seemed to her that the old trees were almost human and stretched out their bare branches toward her with an offering of protection and welcome that was like the greeting of old friends yet at the same time she felt the silent challenge of these old family sentinels and involuntarily answered it by a slight lifting of the head and a trifle more erectness of carriage as she passed they seemed to expect it of her that she should walk past them as all the lloyds had walked with the proud consciousness that none could gainsay their countersign of gentle birth and breeding which spoke even in their tread it was the first time she had been back to locust since the beginning of school and ida felt some subtle change in her as soon as they passed inside the great gate the little colonel's personality asserted itself as it had not at the seminary there she was ida's adoring little shadow completely under the spell of her influence here swayed by the stronger influence of old associations she was herself again the same well-poised imperious little creature that she was when she first coolly bearded the lion in his den the douglas in his hall and brought the old colonel to unconditional surrender mom beck came up from the servant's cottage and unlocked the house for them and after reading her the list of articles to be packed lloyd left her in the linen room and began a tour of the house in the pleasure of acting as hostess and showing ida the attractions of locust she would have forgotten that an unwelcome guest was on his way had not ida's restless glances from every front window they passed reminded her the quarter of an hour was almost over when she led the way into the long drawing-room which she had reserved until last of course it doesn't look as it does when we are living here it makes such a difference having the curtains down and the furniture covered but i want you to see my heart and she began slipping the cover from the tall burnished frame it belonged to my grandmother amanthus and i am prouder of it than anything i own that's her portrait over the mantel isn't she beautiful somehow i never can call her just grandmother as if she were an old lady she never lived to be one you know i always have to add her name amanthus i think of her as she looks there in the picture the young girl she was when grandfather first saw her a june rose in her hair and another at her throat the fairest flower in all kentucky he told me once that's always seemed such a sweet romance to me she wasn't much older than you when he brought her here a bride he always talks about her when the locusts bloom for they were in blossom then and the avenue was white with them lloyd had expected more outspoken admiration from ida when she showed her the portrait and was disappointed to have her barely glance up at it murmuring 
yes she's lovely in an absent-minded way and then hurried to the window exclaiming oh there he is i can see him just coming in at the gate lloyd's glance followed ida's and stepping back from the window she began hastily drawing the cover over the harp oh don't put it on yet said ida i want to show it to him lloyd hesitated an instant then stammered confusedly but but oh ida i'm so sorry but don't you see i can't ask him into the house why not cried ida you promised on the way up here you'd do anything you could for me tears of distress gathered at the little colonel's eyes it was impossible to answer ida's question without wounding her deeply for it was in this very room she had heard her grandfather say it's a pity cy bannon's youngest boy is such a profligate why sir he isn't worth the powder and shot that would put an end to his worthless existence i wouldn't let him darken my doors sir and it was in this room also that she had heard her father say no elizabeth for the judge's sake i'd like to show ned some attention and some families do receive him but his unprincipled conduct bars him out here he's a fellow whom i never could permit lloyd to know ida repeated her question oh violet cried lloyd it's just breaking my heart to refuse you but i can't let him come in it isn't my house and i've no right to when grandfather and papa jack have both forbidden it but it's warmer on the porch than it is in the house with no fire and i'll put some chairs out for you and wait for you in here won't you even come out and be introduced oh violet don't ask me begged the little colonel i'd like to for your sake but i can't i simply can't why not are you going to let your father's prejudices stand in the way he doesn't know him as i do he's just taken a dislike to him as aunt has done on account of things he's heard it's unfair it's unjust to condemn him on account of other people's mistaken opinions and prejudices the little colonel wavered ida's absolute trust made it seem possible that she might be right and everybody else mistaken she peered out of the window again he was halfway up the avenue now sauntering along at a leisurely gait with a cigarette in his mouth besides continued ida nobody need ever know you have met him it's easy enough to keep it secret so what's the difference she stopped in the middle of her sentence surprised by the change in the little colonel's manner she had drawn herself up haughtily and in her fearless scorn bore a strong resemblance to the portrait of the soldier boy in gray in the frame above her i hope she said slowly that i have too much respect for the family honor to do such an underhanded thing as that do you think that i'd be willing to be the only one of all the lloyds who couldn't be trusted why princess i don't see what's changed you so suddenly said ida i haven't asked you to do anything more than you've been doing all along by letting me use your post-office box but i never would have done that cried lloyd if i'd have known who your eduardo was and now i've found out that it is someone that papa jack disapproves of of course i can't carry your letters any more oh princess i thought you'd stand by me against the whole world sobbed ida i had counted so much 
just these few days he'll be here in the valley on seeing him up here i didn't think you'd be unreasonable and unjust it seems as if it would break my heart to have my only friend fail me now the tears were streaming down lloyd's face too but she clenched her hands and shook her head stubbornly no tell him he can't come here again and then he mustn't send any more letters to my address without another word ida turned and walked out to the porch where she stood waiting behind the bare vines that twined the pillars for eduardo to come to her all the pretty color had died out of her face and lloyd felt in a sudden spasm of remorse that she was responsible for the tears and the beautiful eyes and the look of trouble on the face that only a little while before had been aglow with happiness the odor of a cigarette floated in through the hall then ida closed the door and the two sat down on the step outside lloyd paced up and down the long room with her hands behind her back there was an ache in her throat she was so miserably disappointed in eduardo so miserably sorry for ida more than all she was miserably sorry for herself for the friendship which she had counted one of the most beautiful things of her life lay in ruins for a moment she doubted if she had done right to shirk the obligations it had laid upon her and wondered if it were not a greater sacrifice than her father ought to expect her to make for him the temptation pressed sorely upon her to go to ida and tell her she would stand by her as she had promised and for a few days longer at least be the bearer of their letters she even started toward the door but halfway across the room some compelling force drew her eyes toward the portrait of amanthus and she stood still looking into the depths of the clear true eyes which had given counsel to more than one troubled heart years before the old colonel standing with his head bowed on the mantel had murmured brokenly oh amanthus tell me what to do and obedient to the silent message of that straightforward gaze had started off through the falling snow to be reconciled to his only daughter and now lloyd looking up in the same way no longer had any doubts about her duty it wouldn't be right would it she murmured you never did anything you had to hide you wouldn't stoop to anything clandestine she straightened herself up proudly and wiped her eyes neither will i no matter what it costs me not to then she went on brokenly as if talking to a living presence oh it's so pitiful for her to be so deceived in him for of course grandfather and papa jack and her aunt and everybody put together couldn't be mistaken and i love her so much i wish mother were here or papa jack but i'll promise you grandmother amanthus i'll never make you ashamed of me again i wouldn't have carried the letters if i had known and you can trust me always after this for ever and ever it seemed to lloyd that an approving smile rested on the girlish face and a red streak of light from the wintry sunset stealing in through the uncurtained window shone across the june rose at her throat till it burned for the moment with the live red of a living rose she slipped the cover on the harp again and taking one more look around the room at every familiar object grown dear from years of happy associations she closed the door softly and stole upstairs to rejoin mom beck 
she felt as if she had been to a funeral and had suddenly grown very old and worldly wise years older and wiser than when she started blithely up to locust an hour or two before it was late when she and mom beck came downstairs again the sunset glow had almost faded from the sky they bolted the front door and went out the back mom beck taking the key again ida is waiting for me on the front porch lloyd exclaimed good-bye mom beck i'm mighty homesick to come back to you all good-bye honey responded the faithful old soul i'm going to bring you some pralines in the morning old becky knows what'll cheer up her baby lloyd paused at the corner of the porch i think we ought to go now she called in a minute answered ida i'll catch up with you lloyd walked on slowly by herself down the avenue through the gate beside the railroad track she was in sight of the depot before ned bannon struck off across a field and ida joined her she did not speak as they hurried on toward the seminary and lloyd felt with a desolate sinking of the heart that the old intimacy could never be resumed End of chapter eleven recording by linda fredericks modesto california april two thousand twelve